all the credit i guess to give the background on this before we lose the listener concept yeah it's probably been a year coming since we <laughs> first i remember we were sitting at the kitchen table talking and we, we thought well, we should do a podcast i think you thought we should do a podcast <laughs> i'll take the credit and um and the blame and the blame well i mean if we say anything horribly racist or oh. offensive we don't have to put it out on there we're not <laughs> say anything horribly offensive. Well, maybe offensive, well, never, but not you, racist. You never know. Oh, this <laughs> makes, just, makes us sound like closet racists. I mean, we are in a closet, but... Um, no, we're not. I guess my point is our concept of what offensive is is not the same as everyone else's. Okay, so. fair enough. I think that's another show. But maybe we should have a lawyer or something listen first and then tell us what oh we should do. Oh, my kind of... God. Are we going to get sued? <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm going to beef saying, up our liability I'm insurance. Saying, I think you have less to worry about since you're a little older. And you <laughs> don't have to as much time to live with whatever horrible mistake. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got the money that they'd be coming after. <laughs> no, I can tell by this walk-in <laughs> closet that we're sitting in. I'm afraid I'm mumbling. Am I mumbling? I, I, I am more so than you. But I, I don't care that much about the listeners that I have to make an <laughs> It's really about us. Change my voice. Because we're going to be the only ones who <laughs> listen to it, so it <laughs> ought to be pleasing to us. Well, I'm sure that if we send it to our family members, they'll feel obligated, obligated. to listen to it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to start. Why are we doing this? I thought we were doing it um, because you were bored living at home for a year. Although now you've moved out and <laughs> Still come back to do it. No, I don't think that was the only reason. I guess the main reason for me is that I think I have a lot of brilliant opinions. <laughs> I feel like you share that belief in yourself. Not, I'm not saying. Oh God, no, no, I don't. No, no. I I don't I don't know if I buy that. I feel like you have me here as your foil so that my ignorance will make your intelligence shine greater. Oh, is. It, are you serious? Yes. Not at all. I thought you had something to say. I mean, you always wanted to be in radio or in TV and stuff. So I felt like this went yeah, but not with you. Not because I wanted something to say. I really wanted TV so I could be seen. <laughs> <laughs> but but why this podcast? I think is also important. Why this format? You and I. Why you and I? Yeah. Besides the fact that nobody else because <laughs> we're available. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of divisiveness, and I think there are a lot of shows that are billing themselves as crossing that divide, like getting black people to talk to white people, getting fat people to talk to skinny people, I don't know. <laughs> oh, this is the offensive part you're talking about. <laughs> um, but I don't know if I've seen any or many. Heard. Or heard any or many. I'm talking across all mediums. Oh, okay. That really focus on... The generational divide. By the way, I does anybody know that we're mother and son? 
No, um, who, who are we? I was getting some, Oh, you're getting That was actually above why are we doing this, but... Uh, that probably would have been a, a yeah. smart intro. Yeah, okay, well, that was one of, I think, the important points for me was, if you think about, like, a good scientific experiment, it's all about isolating the variable. So we're, we're isolating the age variable by being essentially the same person in all other respects except uh, gender <laughs> right that's a good point but yeah. gender is fluid gender so, oh. that's true yeah so um same same haircut right? yes <laughs> um but no i have a little less facial hair than you do but i'm getting more every day so <laughs> yeah me too um congratulations thanks so who are we i guess we're not gonna say our names just yet <laughs> 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 We'll maybe edit them in. But we are, should we say, we're Northeastern. Yeah. I think. Whites. Yeah. (laughs) But we feel really guilty about that. (laughs) So I think the the main point is that we're, we have very much the same. I know the word you're looking for. I don't know. We're, we're, we're from the same kind of background. So the age thing is really the main differentiation yes definitely so that's kind of what we're trying to highlight and and i guess what that would have people assume is that we're just gonna like argue (laughs) the whole time to like show how old people excuse me middle-aged people all right we need to define old (laughs) at some point soon it's unfortunate because you're not old and when i'm when i'm talking about old people especially in this episode I'm, i'm meaning like senior citizens well, okay, define senior citizen. Well, what's the normal definition, like 65? I think so. I think we can push that up, 75. Because, <laughs> you know, people are going to be living till. But I, if I'm going to have some, if I'm going to represent that group in well, some way. Well, you're going to represent boomers, basically. Okay, by the way, I'm on the, I'm like the last year. Well, I, yeah, I would like to say that I am actually Gen Z, for those of you that are, are thinking I'm a millennial. Um, I'm, well, can I'm, I'm, can you identify those for me? So, so I, Boomer I'm, ends. I was born in '63. Yeah, and the uh, exterminator who was here yesterday <laughs> claimed that he was the last year. He was '64. So it's right there. So then, what? What? Then I, I don't know what comes next. I mean, I thought it was Boomer then Millennials. I feel like there's a lost generation in there. Totally, because the oldest millennials are not in their fifties. <laughs> no, what I I think like thirties. I think forty is like okay the the top, and then twenty five is like well. But here's the thing: I think a generation is thirty two years, and now with these Gen Z, Gen X, it seems to be ten year increments. Yeah, I didn't realize that it had a specific. I think so because if. Although that does seem kind of like a lot. But if you think of a generation, it's me to you. It's supposed to be like the average age that a parent has their children. Right, and 32 would be old, especially when they started talking about generations. but not now. Um, The average age? Well, maybe it is now. I mean, I had my first at 30. Well, yeah, I don't know what's normal. Nothing's normal anymore. Well, I think the problem with you kids, (laughs) that's one of my that's one of my (laughs) my next questions is, are we normal? Like, no. Do you see yourself as an accurate do you or your opinions, at least? Do you think they will accurately accurately represent a lot of people your age and how how they think and feel? 
I think, um, or should we just, you know, shut this down? When I think about it, I think a, probably a pretty narrow group, but who listens to podcasts? So that's true. If I think about who, <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> If I think about who might be listening to podcasts, then yes, I think there's a better chance that I would represent a larger yeah, cross section of the podcast listening population. That's a good answer. That's why I have all these questions for you. Okay, I have a thing here, concerns slash pitfalls, but I have zero notes for it. Do you have any? <laughs> I, I feel like we've already covered yes, some of this. Yes, that this is a crushing failure. <laughs> I feel like that this is a crushing failure kind of encompasses all of the potential pitfalls and concerns. Yes, I, yes you're do, right. Do we need to be more granular with it? Um, I guess not. I, can you hear my stomach growling? <laughs> I can. I really, three times. All right. This is a, maybe a little more of an intellectual or Uh-oh. philosophical question. I'm out. <laughs> you can't be oh, out. Oh, I can't be out. No. That's one of my pitfalls slash concerns that I would end up doing this <laughs> in my parents' closet alone. <laughs> okay. So the question is, how do you feel about the way we define generations or, or the way that we talk about like, oh, you know, the boomers did this or like, oh, millennials, they're all like this. Like, So I think I feel the same way I feel about any stereotype, that there is some truth to virtually any stereotype. So the boomers started in... I mean, you, they're the babies that the GIs started, that had when they got Yeah, back. but my dad didn't fight in World War II. I mean, I think of them... I but think, that's the beginning. That's where they started, yes. isn't it? Um, yes, absolutely. Because that was like right. the baby boom. Right. So I feel like that's a lot of years. I mean, I feel like I am very different from those early boomers uh, uh, being at the far end of the boomers. Like a person born in 48. Yeah. I'm way more woke than they are. (laughs) Well, hey, don't, you know, don't generalize. Some some old people are. Oh, well, that's true, too. Bernie Sanders is. (laughs) Super woke. How old is Bernie Sanders? (laughs) 70. He looks like he's 100, but I think he's in the 70s. So back to the generational thing. So I think there's always, you know, among generations, kids these days, you know, I think that's been going on for millennia. And I think the same in reverse, that the younger generation doesn't look down on, but, you know. I do love to think about that, like where the, you know, the 1460s kids. Yes, me too. Oh, those punks. That Johann Sebastian Bach, that's not music. (laughs) All right. right. He was like the guy with the synthesizer (laughs) in like the 70s. Um, Do you think that it's always, or at least in the 20th century, been the case that the younger generation is looking up at the older one and saying, wow, they really screwed us. These people are idiots as much as we are my generation, my Gen Z generation is now looking up at... Maybe not, because maybe no one has screwed you guys as much as... <laughs> well, maybe, you know, like Vietnam, I would think people are like... Yes, definitely not. I was upset about I that. was pretty little for Vietnam, so I was not... And my parents were very conservative, so I was really not exposed to the protests. And I, I remember the stop signs, someone would spray paint under stop Vietnam... Yeah. And I remember my parents, their best friends had a son who was in Vietnam. And I remember they didn't take their Christmas tree down. They weren't going to take it down until he came home. And it was needleless in their living room. And he got shot. I remember that. Came home. Then he may have gone back again. But my exposure to Vietnam was pretty limited. But I sometimes think of comparing those days to these days with so much division 
in the country with the country being so divided, if I can just be redundant. <laughs> Please. Please do. <laughs> so I don't look back on my parents' generation with blame. Also, we were taught to respect authority without question, which I think is wrong. But that's, you know, that's the way I was raised. I don't think everybody was raised that well, way. I don't think adults should necessarily be like that, but I don't think it's a bad parenting tactic. Although I would say my siblings and I have a possibly unhealthy fear of authority because of you. <laughs> You're welcome. Don't you think dad has an unhealthy fear of authority? You're always making fun of him like, oh, he's so worried about like the park rangers. <laughs> he won't. Yes. Know, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. He doesn't like to break the rules. Yeah. I'm much more of a rule breaker, but I only break stupid rules, which most of them are. Yeah. <laughs> Almost all. No, no, no. That's not true. There are some very good roles. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, um, but the danger. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, I think there's a difference between respecting authority and fearing authority, maybe. You know, the whole pedophile thing. Having been raised in the Catholic Church, you didn't question a priest. Never, ever, ever, ever did you quit. You know, they were practically God. And so what little kid was going to tell on a priest having that? level of fear and, you know, quote unquote respect. Yeah, that's interesting. I can't say I honestly remember that well what I thought about priests. I don't think I connected them with God as much as it sounds like you did. Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking they were so silly, like their, their <laughs> outfits, crazy their clothes. costumes were so silly. But I do remember going for my first communion and I had to go to the rectory because I was sick when the actual ceremony happened. Maybe it was a confession. I can't remember, but I had to do it in like a different setting. And I do remember being like nervous, not because I thought I was going to get <laughs> molested. <laughs> well, we can cut that out. Is he alive? Yes. I hope you can verify that nothing happened. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely not. I think I was just comparing it to what you meant about, you know, the priests were on this pedestal. I was kind of feeling that yep. way. Well, I tried to raise you guys to respect authority, but I also remember talking about, you know, nobody touches you. I do remember that, too. Yeah. I was like, what? I, I, well, I was never told that. <laughs> but I remember thinking that we were so tough. You know, we always played, like, tackle football in the backyard and stuff. So, like, yeah, you we, were. We had it under control. You were really tough. <laughs> You'd cry at the supermarket when the guy behind the deli counter well, handed you a piece of cheese and it broke. <laughs> physically, I meant physically. Mentally, <laughs> no, we were quite the opposite, I would say. All right, so back to your question. Uh, didn't put a lot of blame on it, but certainly there was a period of time where I thought, they are so out of touch. Yeah. Some guy wrote something about growing up and how when he was little, his father knew everything. You know, he was practically a god. And then he was a teenager and his father was a complete moron and didn't know anything. And then as he got older again, he realized how smart his father was and yeah. and, and then how much he missed him and all the knowledge that went with his father. So that I think that is a continual cycle of generations. Yeah, I think especially when the younger generation becomes parents themselves. No question. That's definitely big bonding. Well, it's this realization. Like, oh. I mean, you have no idea what I've done for you. <laughs> and then you have this baby. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe my parents did this for me and how little I appreciated it. <laughs> and now I'm in a stage where I'm being hit with my mortality. And not that I'm that old, but I'm at an age now where I really remember my parents being this age. You know, I don't remember my parents being 30 or 40 really so much, but 50s in their 50s because I was your age and got married and I remember them at our wedding and 
and still being pretty vital. And then things started to go south. And that's what I'm looking at. And it's not pretty. I think I remember your, uh, you're definitely your 40s, your 30s as well. I mean, you look pretty much the same. You were just a lot scarier. <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah. I think oh, I'm definitely. scarier now. I mean, you were bigger comparatively. True. Well, only until you were about in seventh grade. <laughs> Um, we're only talking about the U.S. in terms of like, well, when were kids hating on their older generations? Right. Well, um, we're we're in the U.S. We are in the U.S., but I think Germany is just such an interesting example of shame, and also just like, how could you possibly allow this to happen? And then the question of like, how much did you know? How complicit were you? And obviously, I'm talking about World War II and the Holocaust. Right. The Nazis. And how that's still playing out today. Um, well, you lived that when you were overseas. I mean, I didn't live it, but I, no, I, I mean, witnessed you, it. Right, certainly. witness is a better word, sorry. But it's coming around again. Anti-Semitism, well, yeah. anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism in Germany is hugely on the rise. Totally. They have a political party. You know, people would dispute that, but they have a party that is not supportive of the the far right, but accepting mm-hmm. of the far right. Well, I, we've seen it in our own country, the rise of On the rise everywhere. Hate. Yeah. Definitely. Nationalism. And- I mean, maybe this is a topic for another time, but where does that come from? It has varying degrees of popularity, I would say, making comparisons of today to World War II. But there are certainly interesting parallels to to be made. I think it was Warren Buffett who said, the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Is that really a Warren Buffett quote? Uh, You know what? I don't know why I associate it with him, but maybe there's a reason. (laughs) It's much better than those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. I think it's more to the point. So last little note I had on the defining the generations thing is just that the, the terms that we use, millennials, boomers, they're pretty much always used in a negative sense. I mean, there's this, like, meme, okay, boomers. Like, yes. Have I, you heard about that? I sure have. Um, and then millennials I was going to well. bring it up myself, but I couldn't remember what came before boomer. <laughs> <laughs> millennials as well. It's like, how do you define a millennial? Like, a lazy, entitled... Yeah, exactly. You got a problem with it? <laughs> well, that's why I'm right. Gen Z. You know, boomers have made such a mess... <laughs> Millennials have made such a mess. Gen Z, there's a lot of precedent for us screwing everything up. But we'll have a better argument to say, well, we were handed such a mess that, you know, nobody yeah. would have been able to, to solve it. So we're, we're actually not as bad as, <laughs> as those two. And that's why I'm with them. <laughs> so what do you think of the boomer generation besides having screwed everything up? Oh, I think it's fascinating. You have that, like, division of the Vietnam War era. So you have two very separate groups. Yeah. And then that plays out today and conservatives and liberals. And you have the hippy-dippy 60s people yeah. who I feel like have given rise to, like, Portlandia and Williamsburg. And- right. But a lot of those hippies then had to make a living and became investment bankers. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know a lot of those. Hippies, and and but... did those hippie sentiments kind of die when they moved into the corporate world? I or? think when the reality of making a living and supporting a family came around that, yeah, they had to forego some of their well, <laughs> the, ideological. Uh, there's a lot of people that think that the, that same thing is going to happen to the woke left. Yeah. That they're going to have to yeah. start paying bills. Right. And they're going to be like, oh, I don't actually care. About this <laughs> right. My father told me. You will vote your pocketbook. Yeah, I mean, and he I, didn't carry a pocketbook. He had a wallet. I feel, like, I feel like the majority of people have to. Have to what? 
vote there, pocketbook. Yeah, but, well, but, it's but survival they, in, in a way. Although, but I bet a lot of them do it wrong, or they vote what they think is best for them, or what they've been told is best for them. What are you talking about? <laughs> I sound like somebody. I'm talking about people who are trying to vote their pocketbook, and they vote for the wrong candidate because that person tells them. I see what you're saying. Yes. But then my, my next point was, well, we never know if that person was actually wrong because the other person didn't win. Right. And never enacted their policies. Got it. And, of course, they would tell you that their policies were better, but they don't actually know that. This is also a future episode. The age of forecasting, I'll call it. That's the Brilliant. age. That's the age we currently live in, where a lot of our shows, our news shows, and it's in sports and, and everything else as well, are basically people telling you what's going to happen. Interesting. And I think people lose sight of the fact that they don't. <laughs> no. People don't actually know. <laughs> right. And they're almost, I won't say almost always, but they're very often wrong. Yes. Often wrong, but never in doubt. Yeah. Well said. It is interesting, the audacity of some people and the stuff that they say, forgetting that if they're politicians or whatever, it's all recorded and it's all going to come back. And yeah. This is also a future episode. <laughs> Why, for some people, does that not seem to matter? And for other people, they can never shake it. And the whole thing about like, oh, well, sh you know, she said she was for this in 95 and, 95, and now she's for this. It's like, well, she's fake. Like, right. Well, that is, you know, a, that is are, a future episode. People are allowed to change their minds. Yeah. But they're not. But they're not. Some aren't. But some can, yeah. and, you know. So I do want to get back to age. Yeah, so let's talk about what is old to you, because I remember when I thought 30 was old, and I thought 40 was old, and I thought 50 was old. I guess it depends on who I'm thinking about. If it's me, 25 is old, and I'm not really interested in going any higher. <laughs> um, but for people in general, I think that number has to be going up because the lifespan is going up, right? Yeah, 70 is the new 50 and all that nonsense. I mean, if you want to define it by who the coronavirus is going to take out, then I think it's 65, they said. That seems to be the magic number. Then yeah. that's the retirement number. So it's too bad that it's old because then what do you get to do? Well, that's the thing is if that's the retirement number and people are living to be 105, it's like four. Your retirements it's run not, out of money. Yeah. So what do I think is old? I guess it's relative. You know. Are you asking like when I'm when I say old people? Yeah. Yeah, I guess like seventy. But you know, sometimes I see like isn't Dad's old boss seventy? Yes. I think he yeah. doesn't seem like, you know, he seems like he's. Well, that's another thing. I mean, people are more active later in life. I think definitely. I mean, my mom couldn't wait to get old. She and I'm not getting stockpiled like walkers and those that's... toilet accessories in oh the my attic. God. I mean... That is so weird. What, when like an older friend died or something? Yes, would, exactly. <laughs> And she, you know, her favorite expression was at my age, at my age, at my age. And my father was the total antithesis. He was so youthful, told everybody to take him out at 60 and shoot him. But I think we are living better. Well, except then you read the statistics and that's... Well, for my socioeconomic group, yeah. we're living longer and better. But the life expectancy in our country is actually going down. Right. But I don't think that's necessary. That's more to do with untimely deaths bringing the statistic down than general ability to Untimely deaths being suicides? Well, drug overdoses, primarily. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the main reason that it's been dropping. So this is the main thing I really wanted to get to. Old people and their fear of the future or where we're going. Aren't you afraid of the future? No. I would say the main reason I want to be old is because I'm curious about what it's going to be like. There's a chance it's going to suck, but 
I love like the the human experiment. Like, how's it going to go? Is it going to crash and burn? And, you know, if I didn't have any emotional connections to people, I'd be happy to watch that too. You know, people can't take their eyes off of a train wreck. Right. I just feel like we are living in scary times. And maybe that's everybody when they start thinking about their mortality. But I remember your grandfather saying that. And so he was in his late 80s when he died. So mid 80s, I remember him saying, these are tough times. Maybe he started saying that when he was in his 50s. I don't know. But I just think our income inequality, the climate situation, our partisanship. No education system. There is one. Horrific education system. I think the the lack of education and the climate, when you combine those two, we're not creating capable people at the rate that we're creating incapable people, people that don't help the problem. Just like with climate, there were all these analogies about rolling a ball up a hill. So we're rolling it up the hill, making the climate worse. And there's a peak of this hill. And once we get to that peak, it's going to start rolling down. The other side? The other side. So it's going to be going on its own. And we're not going to be able to stop it at that point. All right. So people who made this analogy will have you believe that right now we can still slow it down and maybe even stop it. I don't think that's the case. I think, but I think that the same thing can be said for education. Like at a certain point, yeah, it's you're going to get to a point where you have so many dumb people slash people who don't value education is what I should say. Because I think people are kind of naturally smart. I mean, we are, we are an intelligent species, yep. but when you don't educate people, you fill up the population with people that don't think it's important to educate people and are also dumb because they were uneducated. Yeah. So then you're screwed. Yeah. You can't, you can't go back from that. Right. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe you can because there's. I think there will always be a portion of the population who's educated and smart. So, I mean, you think about medieval Europe. There was no education. Right. But <laughs> I don't think we want to use that as an example of where we want to end up. But it improved from that. Yes. As time that. continued, I mean, first only the elite were educated. Yeah. I mean, maybe 1% they could read. Probably less than 1%. Yeah. And then it was uh, de la Salle who started educating the underprivileged in France. It was unheard of. Educating is in... I think there was arithmetic and... Okay. So, you know, it's all very cyclical. Yeah. Well, let's hope that that cycle doesn't get to a point where we all get wiped out before it swings back around. Yeah. Well, I'll be gone. I mean, that's the thing that, oh my God, people say, I think climate is cyclical. Like, look at the ice ages. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I'm sure it is. Like, I'm sure there'll be a point in the future where it's colder again. But if we can't sustain through that part. Yes, it's definitely cyclical. cyclical. But it is my understanding, and I'm not a scientist, is that it's so accelerated. Yeah, certainly. Well, I think that's why granddad and you say we're living in hard times. I think that's the bottom line of it is that we're just moving so much faster than institutions can keep up with. Yes. I mean, the government has no idea what they're doing in terms of technology. I think that's pretty clear. And I, that was one of the issues I take with old people. I love the, the concept of the village elder. And like, I totally think that there's a place for experience at the top. But you guys don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> I mean, you... Watch the Mark Zuckerberg hearing or the, the, I saw it. the okay. Ajit Pai, the Google CEO hearing. And it's like the questions that these guys are asking. And it's like, well, they're, they're, he's 86. Like Chuck Chuck Grassley's, right? 86? Yeah. The guy from Utah? I don't What's know. I, he has such a funny name. Noop or something. But what they lack in technological... Orrin Hatch. That's how I was thinking. Orrin Hatch. He's from Utah. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a fossil. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, would you want to debate them in constitutional law? Me? Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not offering any solutions. Facebook, to me, is a 
cesspool of self-aggrandizement, child porn. They used to try to stay on top of it and get rid of it, and now they've decided they're just going to encrypt everything for privacy because everybody wants privacy, and that means that stuff will be on there in perpetuity, and the pedophiles will be able to use it with impunity. (laughs) But it's where we are. Yeah, not to downgrade pedophilia, but (laughs) that's not the main, I think, concern with Facebook well, it disseminates false information. I mean, I think there's that. It's a think, bad thing. I think there's also the general malaise and melancholy that it creates yes. amongst children. Right. My life is horrible. Look at everybody else's fabulous life, which is all a fabrication. Also, yeah, the, the self-promotion. I think we already have a huge problem with advertising, basically usurping all of their forms of entertainment. It's advertising is right. essentially everything. And now children are starting their marketing class at age eight or whatever, whenever they get a Facebook and, and branding. They just start branding themselves. Yeah. When we talk about generations and I think about your grandparents and their childhood <laughs> and and how to me, you know, it must it seems so idyllic. Yeah. And then my childhood, I feel like was pretty great, but there was television and it definitely changed the landscape of childhood. And then your childhood, I mean, trying to keep you guys away from technology. And, and I suppose in some ways that was a disservice because you don't know how to operate any of this stuff. <laughs> and I, I think about it myself. It's like, what would I do trying to keep my kids away from playing video games? I don't want them to. And I know you didn't want us to. But as soon as we were out of your house, it was like an unhealthy, the amount of video games I played. And do you really think that would have been different if you had I don't played? know. I don't know if it was just, if it was like a me rebelling thing or if it was just like, oh, my I God. Got, I, I got to make up for lost time. Yeah, or that. Or I just like really enjoyed doing it. I mean, it's so enjoyable for a lot of people. It's, you know, it's well, whatever the chemical, you know, dopamine. Yeah, the dopamine. Yeah. yeah. It's that. Uh, I'd rather get my dopamine from a hike. But that's, I think, the slow way, the slow burn. Yes. We don't, rather than we're, not, we're not into that. <laughs> well, aren't you glad your father doesn't sit around playing video games? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't. If I can work that in later, I'll say it. It's so mean. Okay. We, saw, talked, we were talking about the old man and technology. And well, there's there's no question it's here. And it's not going away. Right. So we're not going backwards. Right. Unfortunately, really, when I think about it and I do think about it, how attached I am to my stupid phone, I wish they'd never been invented. We're cyborgs. I I totally agree. But that's the direction we're moving is that we're basically melding with these things. Yeah. So I have heard, actually. Doesn't that freak you out? Totally. And, And I think that people will opt out. Well, people have. Some people have. I mean, a lot of people write about my... We, you know, my used to be my month without technology, my week without technology. Yeah. Now it's going to be my five minutes without technology, and it's going to be a huge expose. And I, I honestly think that if a if a byproduct of that wasn't also loneliness, you know, if you could somehow remove the loneliness from that effort of not using technology, the loneliness and the poverty of not using technology, you know, like if you could get by, if you didn't need it for work, yeah. And you could also be surrounded by friends and family and not use technology. I think that you would see your depression lift. You know, I'm not going to say that that would work for everyone. but No question. When when people talk about happiness, one of the most important things is human relationships. But it's, it's sort of the chicken and the egg. I mean, if you're talking about people would be lonely without their phone, they're so lonely and isolated with it. Well, I, I'm saying that if they weren't the only one giving it up. 
you know, just the loneliness and that oh. I'm, I'm alone in this. You know, oh, I see what myself. you're saying. You keep getting ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> you got to slow down. <laughs> I, I, I think if there was a community, basically, that was c- devoted to that. I'll bet there is. I'm, I'm I'll bet sure. if you went online, <laughs> you would find a community, which doesn't make sense, because yeah. how could they be online if they're... Well, this is also raises an interesting point of how I feel like a lot of potential solutions lie in, like, cordoning off certain geographical areas <laughs> for, like, maybe experimentation. Like, yeah, okay, I'd like to have a commune. Everybody that wants to live this way, yes, we're going to give you this space. Right. Go do it. This but, gated community. Yeah, right. But people aren't willing to move off of their land, you know? Right. To... to and I'm sure there would it would be problematic in in some other way. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Right. Like every utopian create new yeah. problem. So on the on the topic of old people and technology, when I was doing recruiting, a big issue in that world in IT especially is ageism in the workplace. Oh sure. Um, you're not allowed to ask people how old they are. Yeah. They don't have to put their birth year on their resume, which is great. I think it's unfortunate if an older person is just as qualified for a job as a younger person and the younger person automatically gets it basically because they're young. I mean, when you go in for the interview, <laughs> you can Yes, tell. you can tell. But like, where does that come from? That outlandish idea that old people don't know how to operate technology. I know it's a stereotype, but. Oh, there's plenty of truth to it. What did I say about stereotypes? Yeah. So but I, it, I think this is a unique situation among generations where, I mean, I knew how to operate the DVD better than my father did. That was pretty much it. But in today's world with technology, so many adults are reliant on their children for help with it. And I, I don't think that's a healthy... You don't have that luxury, unfortunately. <laughs> it's my own fault. <laughs> so we, we need a, some sort of specialist yeah. to come in. Well, the like... scary thing is, is when none of the children are in the house, I'm the IT specialist. Yeah. I have to help your father. It's <laughs> really the blind leading the blind. But you know, it's sort of interesting when I was uh, learning how to use the Apple computer and I would go to the Apple store for these one-on-one lessons and they were, you know, obviously always younger than I, but I would learn something from one of them and then I'd have another lesson and I'd learn something else from somebody else. But then I'd say to them, well, do you know you can do it this way? And they would have no idea. Now, granted, I learned it from one of their colleagues, Yeah. but it was this really sort of fun exchange. It's like different ways to solve a math problem. Yeah. Yeah. I also remember being at the Apple store and seeing this older man, really old, like really old. And How could you tell? <laughs> by the way, he shuffled. And <laughs> but so he was having one of these one-on-one lessons with a young guy who's all tatted up, has rings in his nose, and they were having the best time. And this guy wanted to learn how to use the computer so he could either email or FaceTime or Facebook or whatever with his grandchildren. But this young guy ended up going on websites that had big band music. And, you know, it was just this wonderful intergenerational exchange with technology. It was one of the bright moments in my experience of technology being positive intergenerationally. Yeah. Well, that's Facebook's whole selling point right Right. it's like we're actually bringing people together well you know that's debatable but i think that's a good reminder that you know we are all human i'm totally guilty of doing it in this episode like when we put the labels on people like boomer gen x yeah that's the same thing (laughs) (laughs) no yeah gen Gen y Y. no gen y is millennials gen z is the next one i don't think that digital natives i think oh Whatever. But you kind of start to think of them as like a different species. It's, it's a slippery slope. And then you're like, well, I can't even communicate with that person. <laughs> um, 
what I'm more concerned about, me being a young person, this is what we're talking about with you wanting your children around to help you with technology. So I'm I'm on the other end of that. I'm more concerned about the reverse ageism, old people assuming that I know how to use technology oh. and I can help them. Because well, I think that's you know that's offensive to me. I don't I don't need to know how to use this stuff to have value as a as a young person. <laughs> um, oh, that's really interesting. So I'm really rooting for technology to advance as fast as possible to a point where I no longer have to tell it what to do. It can do it on its own. Or you can just tell it what to do. Or I mean, that. Our or TV now is think. fantastic. I push the button, I tell it what I yeah. want, and it happens. I mean, right, right. Yeah. It's, yeah, maybe everything will go that way. I don't need to write the code. It'll write it itself. I mean, that's, all, well, I think, what people are afraid of. I was going to say, then we get really scary. But again, you know, that would be interesting to see what happens. How quickly do we go extinct? But how do we find the balance? I have that, um, I guess, once a week. It tells me how much screen time I've used. Yeah. And it's shocking. Frightening. But sometimes I read the newspaper online. I mean, I'm not, as you, as you know, I'm not on social media, so I'm not right. spending any time. There's that. certainly, I, I've made a, a huge effort to basically just delete all the apps that I deem to be time-wasting yeah. or bad for my cognitive function. So there's plenty of stuff you can do on your phone and your computer that are wholly that have value. positive. Yes. But I think the screen time thing is more about what is this blue light doing to my eyeballs? Yeah, and my brain and my synapses. And Right. And what is my clicking from screen to screen, from tab to tab, from video to video doing to my ability to focus? And that's the most concerning thing to me. And I think it is doing a lot. Yeah. Parents in Silicon Valley don't right. let their kids watch, you know, they don't have screens right. in their homes. Um, that might be a slight exaggeration, but... I've read it on the internet. Yeah. It must be true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My original concept for this episode was about old people and... Their fear of the future and... Well, they were right, weren't they? Look where we are now. <laughs> well, I, <you laughs> And know. who's this virus taking out the most? Yeah. Old people. If the virus had happened, you know, 30 years ago, it'd probably be a lot worse. Probably. 100 years ago, a lot worse, and so on and so forth. I, I was thinking today about, like, well, what if, what if we didn't have the ability to communicate? You know, no telephones, and this was happening. How would you stop it? I don't think you would. Well, think of the plague. I mean, yeah, that was pretty ugly. Yeah. And the numbers for this, I mean, I'm not trying to be callous or anything, but the worst case scenarios are not anywhere near as bad as what Spanish flu was. And Yes. And that must have a lot to do with being able to communicate social distancing and also uh, medical technology, having ventilators. Totally. So I was thinking about this and thinking, I don't understand these old people who don't like the way we're headed and want to go back in time but but at the same time like people are getting older and older and older so we have all these like 80 90 year olds that look like they're one second from the grave and they're just still hanging on hanging on so our audience is obviously not the octogenarians <laughs> and nonagenarians no, no no i i think the more reasonable of them will perhaps agree i guess it for me it's like a political thing you know they're they're such active voters it feels like in some senses they're keeping things the way they are when i want them to go forward well or they, their goal is to keep things the way they are or or go backwards and this isn't just I think that's this isn't just old people sweeping generalization <laughs> But I think, and maybe I said this already because I can't remember two weeks ago, 
But I think a lot of it has to do with relevance and wanting to be relevant. And I think every generation has some kind of sentiment that they grew up in the best time and that their way was the best way. So it's hard to see a new generation taking charge and taking ownership and I don't want to say taking over, but yeah, taking over. And I think everyone experiences it in both ways. You just haven't experienced the second way. Well, I, you know, I wrote down here, like, the only reason that I want to get old is because I'm so curious about how different things are going to be. And I'm just interested to see, you know, I would really like to watch the rest of time. That's, you know, I would I would stick around if I could just to witness. I would do that if I could fast forward every once in a while. <laughs> fast forward, rewind, teleport. <laughs> So what concerns me is the fact that it seems like, I mean, of course, I I have no idea what the average age of the Senate or the House is. The president's always pretty old. And the next one's going to be two. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And white and male. So especially in this time where we're advancing so quickly, it's so hard for people my age, I'm sure, to watch. I think the best example of this were were these hearings, these Senate hearings with the Google CEO and I'm sure we talked about that. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. <laughs> there needs to be some like technological understanding or literacy in the government. It seems to me like it's lagging very far behind. I don't know if it's lagging as far as behind as you think it is. There are certainly some crusty old men who don't have a clear or vibrant understanding of technology. But there are plenty of older people who do. I mean, your grandfather wasn't super savvy, but uh, he was online and he, he loved he his He had computer. email. Yeah. Yes. He liked the word processing function of his computer, I think. So he wasn't so anti-technology, I don't think. No, but I, I think it takes a very special person that age to have the kind of understanding of the technology that we use every day as a kid who's grown up in the internet age. It's like a language. When you learn it when you're a child, it comes so much more naturally to you. So For sure. It's like anything. It's much easier to learn. Your brain is so much more elastic when you're young. So look, let me be clear, as they all say. Time will march on, and progress will march on, and technology will march on, regardless of what any of the old people want or think. And it will happen to you, and it will happen to following generations. You you cannot prevent it. Yeah. So I wouldn't but sweat I, about it too much. I mean, it will catch up. I agree. I think my feeling is, why are we not optimizing this? Why are we not trying to get as far out as we can? I mean, we, our time is limited, I think, as a species. And it's probably impossible to fathom how much time that will be, but there's always going to be more that we could have learned or discovered, and it's going to be unfortunate that we don't get as far as as we could have if we had everybody on board, you know? Had everybody on board for what? Technology? Yes, for putting our resources towards answering the interesting questions of the universe instead of, like... Feeding people? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, no, of course there's like, there are requirements here on Earth, but we don't, we don't even fund NASA anymore. I feel like, like, what is the point of all the stuff we're doing if we're not trying to explore, if we're not interested in learning more about ourselves? Well, we have private industry now taking over those roles. Yeah, that's, that's a great thing, but it it takes them, you know. I'm pretty sure the North Koreans are going to get us where we need to go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think the rockets they're building are for space. But but private industry, you know, these guys have to have tens of billions of dollars before they start their space companies. Right, but there are a few who do. Yeah. Well, 
I, I should say, this isn't meant to be aimed at old people. They just happen to be the demographic that are scared, you know? And I'm, I'm really aiming this more at conservatives, I guess, just because <laughs> they're... Conservative to me, in a way, means afraid. You know, it's afraid of change, afraid of what's next, afraid of being outside their comfort zone. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Fear is a very powerful motivator. Yeah, and I and I feel like the news media that they consume is so fear centric. Yes, um, everyone's coming for your this, and it's being that. manipulated to induce fear. Yeah, and it's like these are supposed to be like the hardcore. You know, like the hard workers, like tough guys of the country. And it's like they they literally run everything on fear. You know, we're afraid of immigrants. We, we, we're afraid of the competition with... Well, okay. So I think the conservative leadership uses fear to manipulate their constituency. Right. But it works. Yes. Meaning that that constituency is afraid. Right. But I don't think... The conservatives who are in power are so fearful. I think they want power, right. and so they're manipulating people through fear. So, yes, there is fear among the conservatives, but I think it's um, the constituency more than the leaders. I definitely agree. I always come back to this question of bad faith or stupidity. Are they acting in bad faith or are they just ignorant? I'm uh, talking about the leadership. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, are they like willfully lying to people or yeah. do they really, like that Georgia, the guy, John Oliver, like did he really not know that the virus can be transmitted through As, touch? No, through asymptomatic, people who are asymptomatic. Right. He suddenly discovered that they could carry the virus and spread the virus. Like three weeks after, everyone, or months. That's an interesting question. Was he truly naive, ignorant, or did he choose to and ignore the... I think that's like a daily situation for a politician to be in. You know, it's like, do I know this or do I not know, you know? Or how do I spin it? Yeah. The, you know the, the Donald Rumsfeld quote, your known knowns, your known unknowns... And your unknown unknowns. He's like, that's, you have, those are the three things you have. He was on Colbert. Recently? This is probably a couple of years ago. It was oh. Colbert's new show, the CBS show, but it was a while ago. And Colbert said, well, what about your, whatever the fourth <laughs> version of that is? Un, un, unknown unknowns? The things you know but choose not to know? Unknown Knowns. Or the things that, that you know but... twisting my brain. <laughs> the things that you know but pretend not to know in order to justify a decision. Okay. So yeah, Paul, it's just... Ugh. They're all just so gross. <laughs> but that maybe that's why I don't want old people in there. Because I imagine Ted Cruz being in the Senate when he's 90 years old. I'm like, he's only going to get worse. And... And we're just technologically moving so fast. And I feel like the people that understand the technology are going to take advantage as long as they can. So as long as we don't understand how they think. If you try to wrap your head around what hackers do. Oh, gosh. I mean, or, or you know, what the white hat guy does and trying to, or the cybersecurity people, like, wow. I can't. You, it's impossible, you know? And I'm sure, I, I think you said this recently, like, I'm sure they understand the Constitution, like, down pat, whatever, and a lot of them are lawyers. And I, I, Maybe I just think we need a little diversity of knowledge. I like, where are the scientists? Where are the climate climatologists? Where are... In, in government. Yeah. In, as representatives. Scientists, yeah. There are no, I mean, 
that I know of. That's a really interesting point. But I don't think scientists are the least bit interested in governing. Well, what they you do need speak is, out and say, hey, like, and you here's need, our report on the right. climate. And you need leaders who surround themselves with people N- not who can sycophants. Absolutely. People who can fill in those blanks. And uh, some people are better at doing that than others. Yeah. I think that's what Biden would do well. Yes. I mean, you have to kind of hope that that's what he's going to do well. Because it's it's hard to have a ton of faith in him <laughs> alone. <laughs> alone at the moment. But but that's what a good leader does. A good leader understands what they don't know yeah. and where their weaknesses are, and they fill those gaps with people they can trust that What's are the- super knowledgeable. Well, Lincoln. Lincoln had his oh god something arrivals, and he surrounded himself, you know, not with yes men, but mm-hmm. with people who would challenge him. And they did, and they did not all agree with each other, but they all had a common purpose. Team, team of rivals? No, it's another word. Yeah. Uh, if we had a producer in the other room, <laughs> he or she could. I'm the producer. <laughs> to all look it up. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. No, team of rivals? I don't know. Something of rivals. Team of rivals. The political genius of Abraham. Oh, it's a book. I think that the book was named. Well, somebody coined the phrase. I don't know who it was, but. It was part of Lincoln's brilliance. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of another. It might have been a French king, some some medieval European leader who was notoriously like weak and weak willed, and you know everyone was like, "Oh man, he's going to do a terrible job." He's and he was know. just born into it. I mean, he was born into it. Yeah. yeah, and he was just an excellent delegator, and he just. You know, he he had, like, no other skills, but he was surrounded by a bunch of very capable people, and he knew who to assign to what project. And he had to be able to trust them. Totally. Which... And trust was definitely <laughs> rare in those days. Right, because everybody was after your head. Yeah. Speaking of medieval Europe, I wrote down this example of... Oh, um, now you're going to show off. <laughs> I'm just show off that I've been listening to this podcast, like... <laughs> All day for the past week, three oh, weeks. Oh, while you've been slaving on the hill, you've been listening to podcasts? Yeah. That's smart. Totally. Um, I thought you were jamming to... I was jamming this afternoon because got, it got a little dry. I was, I was, I think I'd listened to 10 episodes today. Wow. <laughs> so it's covering, covering a lot of ground. Um, but anyways, this is a, this is a, an older leader, someone who was in power for a long time and who... Where and when? Where are we? Or are you quizzing me? Because I won't know. No, no, no. Um, so he was in power for 37 years. He abdicated his throne in 889. Is this the weak guy you're talking about? That No, no, no different guy. Know. It's a very strong guy. Okay. Um, it's, it's Tsar Boris I of Bulgaria. Oh, yeah. You told me you've been listening to a lot about Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah, so it's like all Bulgaria today. Um all Bulgaria, all the time. I think you'll, you'll like him. You'll like him. He is I can't the one wait to meet him. that converted Bulgaria to oh. Christianity. From what? Paganism. Okay. Some, some form of paganism. Yes. Yeah, so he converted Bulgaria to Christianity, and then he abdicated to a monastery. Whoa. After 37 years of rule, which is basically unheard of in history, these guys usually die on the throne. How old was he when he abdicated? I think he was in his... Maybe he saw uh, the writing on the wall and possibly. wanted a quiet retirement. He was in his 60s or 70s, but I don't Which have back him. then was... Pretty old. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was doing everything right. But anyways, he so he abdicated to this monastery. And this was actually... This became kind of a theme. Uh, a few people did this. 
usually the monastery was for the person that... Well, imitation is the highest form of flattery. <laughs> well, this guy, everybody wanted to be this guy. <laughs> so usually the monastery was for the, you know, the family of like the ex rule, the deposed ruler. You know, they were either killed or yeah. sent off to a monastery and, you know, their eyes gouged out or something. That was very popular in this area. Eye gouging? Yeah. Uh, Maybe the, we should the, bring it back. Uh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine being the, the no. eye gouger? No. no. Uh, or the gougie. I think I'd the, rather the, be the gouger, but... The I, dungeon master, the torture guy. But those people, are, they're... I don't want to say they're all over the place, but they, they're still around. Yeah, but... But it was like a it was like a nine the to job, five, right? And then you go home to your family, <laughs> or probably more like a five to nine, but or, or whatever nine p.m. to five a.m. The midnight shift in the dungeon, <laughs> in the, dungeon. the rack room. Oh. Anyways, I want to I want to tell you about this guy. All so, right, Boris the first. So bring it. Not only did he abdicate, this is incredible that he did this in the first place, but after abdicating, his son who came to the throne, decided that he didn't want Bulgaria to be Christian anymore. So he led a revolt. I think he was in power, but led some sort of revolt against the church and converted the country back to paganism. So Boris... <laughs> you convert people to paganism. <laughs> or whatever, to to whatever form of paganism they these Bulgarians practiced. And Boris came out of retirement defeated his son wow in battle i don't i don't know you know i don't think he was he alone. surrounded himself with some good yeah, soldiers totally well you know he was loved i don't think his son was well loved usually the the, the child of the great king is it's not... tough to live up to a rock star parent yeah. i'm just telling you that <laughs> don't i know it um now you're talking about your father <laughs> both of you um so he Gouge his eyes out. Gouge his son's eyes out. Personally? I don't... I doubt it. Okay. I don't think that was the king. It's not on YouTube? Yeah. No. The czar's job, excuse me. Um, And he shaved his wife's head. He shaved his son's wife's head, his daughter-in-law. Yep. And then he gave the throne to his other son. Oh. Who had had been raised in Constantinople and was preparing to be a man of the cloth. But he... This kid was the real deal. And he was... Almost as popular as his dad. And he converted the country back to Christianity. I'd like to learn more about that split. I mean, it, I can't even tell you what I don't know. I can't I, even I think it was before it. the fall of the Western Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire split. Yeah. And I think that at some point after that, the people in Constantinople started the Eastern Orthodox Church. All right, it's a topic for another time that we'll look into because there's Greek Orthodox, Orthodox, there's Russian Orthodox. Yeah, well, constant the Byzantines were Greek Orthodox, oh, Greek Orthodox. I think. But so that was probably they both came out of that original Orthodox Church. Right. Yeah, they're descendants of whatever. Okay. I, I mean, I assume the Russians they were kind of way off doing their own thing for a while, but <laughs> yeah, I, I bet it came from the same place. All right. Well, I don't know how to sign off. I want to say thank you for listening. Yeah, we hope you listen. We hope we hope somebody out there listens. Somebody listen. Thank you to our immediate family for listening to this. <laughs> Fortunately, we're Catholics, so we got a lot of family. <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll, we'll pick it up next time. Home is where I want to be.
You've got 